What's going on, everybody? It's your boys, Commander Berg here with the Overseas Sports Podcast, and with me, as always, is the Turf King, Cameron Charlton. What's going on, Cam? Oh, you know, just a great day in Southern Ontario. The wind was up today, but the weather was a little nicer. We actually did the first cut on greens today. They have now, most of them have been cut once, all of them have been rolled and blown, so things are getting closer. We're looking like April 15th, but I see the City of Toronto Golf Club's open tomorrow. So, golf is back in Southern Ontario as of April 1st. I'm just hoping it's not just an April Fool's joke. Yeah, that's true. Ooh, I forgot that it was April Fool's tomorrow, so thanks for reminding me. Um... Yeah, I mean, April 15th would be nice. Last year, my first round was April the 5th. So, now, the, here's the good news, is that I, I, don't, I, would, I would prefer to golf April 5th again, but if it's April 15th and we don't lose a, the month of May and most of June, then I'm good with it, because we got robbed last year, so... Yeah, it yeah. should be it should be by all accounts a normal year. Things are going back to normal for the most part. I know that everyone's freaking out over the sixth wave. Let's not get into that though. Let's keep it positive. Golf is coming soon to Southern Ontario, and I'm ready to get back on on the golf course. Yeah, well, I was about to ask you for the Turf King report. So how's the uh, how's the grass looking after that uh, snowy winter? I mean, there's definitely a couple greens we're a little concerned about. One that's had a little too much ice on it and didn't smell very good. The Poa is dying. The Bent grass looks really good, though, so for the most part, I'm pretty happy. The course, Our course at least overwintered really well. We got clear two misses of our uh, winter application or pre-winter application, but nothing big when we have over 150 acres of bent. Two small areas, nothing big there. So greens are in good shape, so we're ready to uh, get a little bit of warmer weather and watch the course come out of dormancy and really move forward and have another really good year. Well, I, we, I, I can't wait. And you know who's... Um... You know who's also itching to get out on the onto the golf course? So it seems. Tiger Woods. That's what we're hearing. This is this is what the kids are saying, is that Tiger Woods has been spotted in and around Augusta, by all accounts. No, he he officially did play a practice round this week with JT and his son Charlie. We do know that was a fact. He is at Augusta. His private plane is there. You know, it's an issue when your own plane and boat have to be tracked by international companies because they're that big so you can constantly watch where he's going if he goes by plane or boat because his personal vehicles are big enough that you have to track them so uh yeah we do know he's at augusta it sounds like he's walking so the big thing when it comes to a major and tiger is he likes making the announcements anytime he's been injured or had been off on the fridays so it's really screwy this year that friday is april 1st because everything you're going to see on twitter tomorrow do not believe unless you see it from tiger it's going to be a mess on Twitter tomorrow. It's going to be a mess on social media. But from all accounts, everything I'm seeing and hearing, Tiger's going to tee it up on next next Thursday. And it seems absolutely insane. He hasn't played a competitive round in 17 months now. He's coming off this leg where they weren't even sure they needed to, They might have needed to amputate it. The thing is, Tiger's been pretty eminent. He's not going to come back, especially at Augusta, if he can't be competitive. So he must be feeling pretty good about the game to think that he's going to be able to walk this place and play decent golf. Again, we've said, we don't think he's going to win it. No, he's not. Would it be the most shocking thing I've ever seen? I'm done being shocked by Tiger Woods. He's shocked me a thousand times already with winning U.S. Opens on broken legs, coming back and winning the Masters in 2019. I'm done doubting this guy, but the likelihood of winning, not high. The odds aren't good enough to bet him at plus 6,000. There's a lot of better, better values there, but Tiger Woods, from all accounts, is going to be at the Masters again, and the Masters is better with Tiger there. 
No, no doubt. Like, I, I was actually curious, like, how much they were like, hey, Tiger, you want to come on back? Because, uh, you know, the ratings are always good, but when you come, when you play, the ratings are not much better. Um, and, like, no disrespect to, like, Hideki Matsuyama or anything, but, like, when Tiger's in contention, it's a lot different than when, you know, Matsuyama's running away with it or whatever. Like, it's that's just the reality of... Tiger's changed the game of golf. He's changed the money they make. He's changed it. He moves the needle, and he always will, I think, as long as he's still golfing. Move the needle like no one we've ever seen in really most of professional sports, to be honest. Like, nobody mm-hmm. quite moves the needle like Tiger Woods. So, it, from a general golf perspective, it's awesome, but it takes away a lot from guys like Scotty Scheffler, who's now currently world number one, which there's probably a lot of listeners who don't know much about golf who are like, who is Scotty Scheffler? But he's the world number one. He's won three of the last five tournaments, some big ones in there. And uh, he's just been super consistent. So that's the world rankings. You've always had guys who, are they really the best golfer in the world? No, Scotty Scheffler is probably not the best golfer in the world at the moment, but he's the world number one. So that's pretty cool to be. Luke Donald was one of those guys probably 10, 15 years ago where he was world number one. Was he the best golfer in the world? Not even close, but it's still another, like it's still an amazing accomplishment. And I think definitely all this Tiger buzz is taken a little bit away from somebody who's like Scotty Scheffler. Well, and and that's fine. Um, now, it's as I said, like I, I you know, the, the one of the problems with the PGA anyway, it doesn't really matter if Tiger's playing or Tiger's not playing, is that they really don't focus on everybody. Like they really only focus on people, and it's really annoying, right? Like Corey Connors last weekend got like no screen time until the final day. Yeah, the round of eight, he had four shots shown, and he won. Three and two, he won his match to get to the semifinals, and four shots were shown in the round of eight. That's just insane. And this happens at every majors. Like, Mackenzie Hughes, Corey Connors have been in the top ten in a bunch of majors recently, and you're lucky if you see a shot on Sunday, which is ridiculous. So, Corey Connors has finished top ten the last two Masters. I know we'll get more on that next week, but he better be getting more screen time at the masters this year. He's in great form finishing third at the match play, which is one of the biggest tournaments. It's a WGC event. He's finished top 10 at the masters last two weeks. We want to see Corey Connors get a ton more screen time this year. The advantage to the masters, if you, look at the app, you can follow any golfer you want on the app. So that's a huge advantage. So if you want to watch Corey Connors, every shot you can, that is one of the many advantages to Augusta and the masters. One of the things that I will say about that is though, is like, I actually do think Canadians will get a little bit more of a sniff in terms of camera time because of Mike Weir. Like, you know, if if Mike Weir hadn't won the Masters, then I don't think anybody... Well, first of all, you might not have the same generation of golfers that you do now. Yeah, Corey Connors might not be on the PGA Tour if it wasn't for Mike Weir. Right. And perhaps, you know, it wouldn't... You know, because at the Masters, it's like, oh, well, these Canadians, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, hey, okay, Canadian won. So you almost wonder, you know, if they if they benefit a little bit of screen time from there. Um, I mean, honestly, though, if Tiger's playing, it's gonna be, um, it's gonna be Tiger Tracker, like I, which which I am totally fine with. Like, no offense to Corey Connors, but I'd rather watch Tiger, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially yeah, after seventeen months, right? Yeah, there's a couple other advantages. Like TSN does a ton of coverage for the Masters in Canada, so we'll get a lot of James Duthie talking about Corey Connors, Mackenzie Hughes. Uh, don't know if anybody else made it. I got to relook through the field. I'm pretty sure those two guys are in it. I can't remember if a couple of the other bubble guys made the Masters or not. But you know they'll get their Tuesday round with Mike Weir, the practice round with Mike Weir that he does with all the Canadians every year. So that'll be talked about a bunch. And it's still a great experience. I just hope to see Corey Connors in contention again and then getting a ton of screen time. Like, again, it's any sport. Always, we're always huge Canadian backers. So 
let's hopefully uh, Corey Connors can have a good week next week. Yeah, I mean that's that'd obviously be the hope. It'd be nice if he could, you know, win. <laughs> I mean, he's been close, right? And so, I mean, and I guess I said we're we're gonna talk like next week's gonna be a lot of Masters talk. We'll really try to break it down and give you kind of our picks and and who we're thinking is gonna do well. Um, I just want to like circle back briefly to the conversation of um, Scotty Scheffler being world number one right now. And is he the best golfer in the world? Yeah, I believe no. I mean, right now he is, but overall, is he actually the most talented? Probably not. Um, is it still John Rahm? Because probably. he was. I he, think I John Rahm's still probably the best golfer in the world. Scotty Scheffler has been the most more consistent golfer f- recently, but he also plays a lot more tournaments than a lot of those other guys. So that's where you get these world ranking points. So Scotty Scheffler's number one in the world, but. Again, we could easily argue JT, or not JT, JT's up there, but probably DJ or Rom are probably the number one golfer in the world right now. Like, most talented golfer, number one, not in world rankings, but the best golfer in the world. I think it's still probably John Rom. Well, and this is the wild part, right? Where, like, you know, Rory was there for a, a while, and he's still talented. Like, Rory's the most talented golfer on the PGA Tour, in my opinion. But one of the he most just, inconsistent. He can't putt. He's... <laughs> Him and Zalatoris need to figure out something together. They need to go to the Cameron Charlton, uh, the Turf King School of Putting. Yeah, no. You can putt. You know how to putt. I've seen you putt to save matches on 18 like five, six, seven times. Where yeah. it's the point of like if it's if you have a putt on 18 to win or tie the match, it's going in no matter what. They need to go spend some time with kids. That guy knows how to putt. Is is he not like one of the one of the top five in What's that? What's that stat? The putts gained or the the strokes yeah, gained off putting? He's usually he's usually top ten in strokes gained putting. Well, he had himself a weekend at the match, like the match play too. Like he was having a, himself he's a time. Just, I, I I don't know if you saw the comment of the uh, him and the fan going at it, which was pretty funny. I know I didn't I didn't see that. There's a fan yelling at Kisner on the one hole because Austin set up so you can go for it on a lot of holes and stuff like that. And some guy just yells to Kiz, and he's like, why don't you fucking go for it? Kiz just looks up to him. Why don't you go fuck yourself? <laughs> and I'm like, Kiz, you can't do that. You're a professional golfer. You shouldn't be saying that to fans, but just to see him get in the moment and just say that. And then he made four straight birdies after saying that to the fans. So something I mean, like Kiz, that is just hilarious. You're not supposed to, no, you're not supposed to see that from golfers. And a guy like Kiz is like, yeah, I don't care. Like, that's why Kiz would be like, like, he's golf with like Hardy and all them, right? Yeah, he's golf with a bunch of different guys. Right, like I could totally see why they want to golf with that guy. I mean, he is one of the most liked players on tour. Like yeah, people love playing with Kisner. He was voted the most liked golfer on tour. Which is funny because if you look at any of the clips of him, he's just chirping the shit out of people, chirping the shit out of the foreplay guys. You know, Even all this. They were talking, to, speaking of that, foreplay was talking to Scotty Scheffler today or yesterday, and they were talking about that Kisner and him because they were in the finals together at the match play together. And on the first hole, like, a lot of the guys, when they're doing match play, don't talk to each other all the time. And Scotty hits his drive way further than Kiz. Kiz isn't long at all. and But they both mark their ball the same. So they didn't even talk about that off the first tee. And Scotty Shuffler can't see color really wide. So he's like, walks over Kizner's ball and he's like, hey, Kiz, this is you. Like, And Kiz is like, yeah, I know. Yours will be 30 up yards up there all day. You don't have to worry about looking at this ball. We all know whose ball is 30 yards back. <laughs> That's how I feel golfing with you. Yeah, but yours isn't in the fairway, too, so that's the easier part to tell. <laughs> it's true. I mean, 
you know, if you ever shank one in the forest, though, we know that mine's further, so that's fine. This year I'll be dialed in. Don't worry. I'm going to be. Yeah, okay. I was at a sim today. I was at a sim today. We had wind on. I hit uh, th- 310 carry. Wow. Three, no, three mile an hour wind behind us, but three mile an hour isn't that much. No, that's still way further than I had it. I was hitting at like 275 yesterday, so. Yeah, 310 carry up the middle, and it, it rolled out to 322. So our buddy Sinky was like, he was like, Christ, man, like, he's like, I better not see this on the course because I, like, he's driving at like 220, 230. Nice snap cookie, little slicey. And he's like, dude, if you're driving it 100 yards farther than me, this is going to be a miserable season. And I'm like, well, unlike uh, Scotty Scheffler, I'm extremely inconsistent. So <laughs> you have nothing to worry about. Tour, yeah, I have like, I have like tour length with like below any amateur tournament consistency. Oh, your ball speed and club head speed is way higher than tour average, but you also hit less fairways than tour average. Oh, I hit less fairways than corn fairy average than than amateur tournament average. It's brutal. If I if I could get like a shred of consistent, I would trade a little bit of distance for a shred of consistency. That's my goal that's this year, by the way. Seventeen, seventeen handicap is the goal. That's uh, that's reachable. Twenty point two, twenty point two right now. So that's a realistic realistic goal. Yes. I, I support the realistic goal. Well, I'm not gonna say I'm gonna turn it into a fucking scratch and like i'm not gonna go 20.2 which i was at the end of last year to a 10 but but i thought you i I expected to be more aggressive and be at like 15 so well i'm setting the bar low so that i can i can jump it and then if it gets worse that's when the real problem like that's where the real problem comes in it's like if it gets worse i just don't know where to go from there because then you know next year i can't say oh man i really you know if i let's just say for the sake of argument i had a really bad year i finished like a 22 yeah, I can't go back and say, you know what? It'd be really nice to get my twenty point two handicap yeah. bag. No, you just I can't, can't go backwards. No, no, that's it. And I'm going to beat you this year. That's my other. That's my other goal. So, okay. Um, no, I said realistic goals. I well, okay. There was I almost beat you last year until you made a well two actually two years in a row I've had a crack at it. But you and, didn't. So yeah, I know I didn't because you made fucking stupid putts. Like that's just how it works. I know, whatever. Strokes gains off putting. Anyway. I imagine we're going to have lots of golf talk next week. So uh, I think we got a few other major subjects to touch on. Okay, let's go. Gareth Wheeler first. I mean, I got a full spiel here first. Go I'm going to go on a bit of a soccer you did te- rant you, you did text me saying that you had a rant. So go ahead. I got a little bit of a yours. soccer rant here. So, I mean, most of our listeners, I grew up playing hockey and soccer. Those were my two main sports. I played a ton of soccer growing up. I played five years of high school, captain of the team for three years. It's always basically been my second sport. I don't watch a ton of it. It's not the most exciting sport to watch, but the World Cup, I'm always all in. This is crazy to me. This is something I never thought in my lifetime I get to see is I've grown up always being needing cheer for Germany. My family's German, my grandparents, stuff like that. I've always grew up cheering for players, cheering for things like you never thought of being a Canadian on the pitch. When you played, you're always like, oh, I'm going to be Ronaldinho. I'm going to be Ronaldo. I'm going to be Messi. I'm going to be Thierry Henry. You never thought of being a Canadian. And this is where it's insane this year. Canada has now qualified for the World Cup. We didn't maybe get the best pot possible. It's going to be a tough draw on Friday. But Canada is in the World Cup. We're, we don't have Italy there. We're going to see lots of Canadian flags during the World Cup. We're going to see Canada jerseys everywhere. And to me, this is... 
insane. This isn't something I ever thought I'd see in my lifetime. And now it's something that I'm going to see, I imagine, every four years of my lifetime. We will see kids in Davies jerseys. We will see kids out on the pitch wanting to be Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David, Tejon Buchanan. These guys, this is insane to me. This is something I never thought I'd see. And how silly it seems to get emotional. Like, I'm a massive diehard Habs fan. The run last year was fun. But this is something that can really change a sport for an entire country. Making the World Cup. We've seen the women now. They won the gold medal. But men's sports still is different. And the fact that we're going to have it here in four years and we've qualified in a smaller field, didn't need to be the host country, is amazing to see. And I, it's still almost speechless, but this is going to be a ton of fun. We're actually at the World Cup. We deserve to be there. We're going to see flags everywhere. It's going to be a ton of fun. And just for something that I wasn't ever sure I was going to see, like 86 was the only time we've ever been there. Neither of us were alive for that. Yep. It's been a while. So it's something that's kind of emotional and it's kind of, it's super exciting though. Like Friday, we get to see who three teams we're going to be drawn with for the World Cup. And not only is Canada going to go to the World Cup this year, we're expected to compete. We're expected to compete to get out of our group and make the knockout stage. So it's exciting and it's crazy, especially with the expanded field that Canada's going to be there forever. Our young soccer players aren't even in their prime yet. You wouldn't consider. And we have a top 11 player in the world. So kind of rambling on here, but it's just, it's special to be a Canadian, especially a Canadian who grew up playing soccer and seeing Canada reach the world cup. And we're going to be good for years now. And that's just super exciting and kind of emotional. And I'm ready for it. I'm ready to watch Canada at the world cup in Qatar. Well, I think that, I think part of that is, is that, you know, when, when you watch, you know, when you come from Canada, which we have a very multicultural society, right? So, you know, it doesn't matter where you live. You always have, you know, when World Cup comes around, especially down in my area, it's, you know, the Netherlands crew, you know, they're always flying. They're wearing the orange, Hup Holland Hup, that's everywhere. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff kind of involved in that. You see the Italians, the Portuguese, all that kind of stuff happens. And, um, you know, everybody here really, you know, Unless you're, um, unless you're indigenous, right? Everybody here comes from immigrants, so everybody has background to other to other countries. So, you know, we're able to attach to that. But there is something special about having, you know, our country, our flag, right up there. You know, and, and hopefully this isn't the case. But you're going to see, you know, like powerhouse soccer nations. You know, England, Brazil, you know, Germany, Spain, um, France, like like unbelievable soccer nations uh, you know our, our flag is going to be right up there with the rest of them so um you know that that's that's pretty cool and and i mean we're not the worst team in the tournament so that's also good uh not by far not by far and, and i mean the other thing is, is this is no slouch either is you know canada obviously they lost last night to panama um the ultimate trap game like you the, like you know game 13 you you know game 13 you, you qualify and you end up and then game 14, it's like, okay, well, if you win this one, you get into pot three instead of pot four. Like, at that point, they just don't want to it, – it's, it, as I said, it's just such a trap game. But they end up winning CONCACAF, right? So, you know, the, which, yeah, you're right. It's huge. And and there's other – you know, there's analysts saying, oh, well, you know, we really don't want to draw Mexico. We don't want to draw the U.S. Like, there's other teams we want to draw. And I'm like, you know – can't, so. You can't draw teams from CONCACAF, so that's the plus. <laughs> well, that's yeah. I, I guess the thing I was watching, they didn't know that, which is it was a Canadian broadcaster. Like, yeah, we really don't want U.S. and Mexico. I'm like, um, I kind of do want U.S. or Mexico, to be honest. But, but there's, yeah, there's so many other things about this Canadian team that 
being immigrants and seeing that stuff is amazing. Like you get a guy like Alfonso Davies. He wasn't born in Canada. No. He came over here from a refugee camp. And this guy got up on stage a couple years ago to help get Canada the World Cup. That's how proud a Canadian he is. Estakios, Portuguese born. He wants to play for Canada. This is so different than we've ever seen in the World Cup. We had Hargraves. If you don't know who Hargraves is, look it up. He didn't want to play for Canada. He chose to play for England instead. He was one of the best players who could have been Canadian, and he didn't want to play for us. Now we're getting all these guys from all over the place. Sam Atacube, Estakios, Davies. All these guys are from other countries, or their families are. They're immigrants, They're but they're playing for Canada. And when you heard everything Davies had to say about what Canada is and stuff, and that's really what Canada is at the end of the day. And this team just embodies what Canada is. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. And just looking forward to it. Oh, no doubt. Draws tomorrow, finding out what pool we're in. Hopefully it's not the pool of death. I mean, you and we, we talked about this earlier, is that nobody really wants to play Canada, I don't think. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are certain countries that do. But, I mean, we play a really no. rough, grinded out, you know. I, I think we have to start calling it football now. Because yeah, we might have to start calling it because we are a football nation, as John Hardman said. Yes, this is John. a true football nation. Hamilton on Sunday felt like a true football country. It felt like you were in the big stadium in England. And uh, I mean, he's another guy you got to talk about a bit is John Hardman. The way that he's evolved the game for both national programs. He was the one who really set the women's in stride, got them to where he was. And he could have been the coach for the gold medal game. And I think they probably still would have got the job done with Christine Sinclair and John Herdman as coach. But he took on the big challenge of going to the men's team that had struggled for years. They'd gone through managers. Things were not good. And he took that challenge on and he's turned this program around. He's a huge reason to it. I know that's the players on the field at the end of the day. But now what you've seen Hardman do with both the women's and the men's side, you're like, this guy is a huge part of this. And again, just him talking about us being a football country in minus four weather snowing in Hamilton on a Sunday. It's just awesome. Cause that's, again, this is how much it would have been nice to qualify in Costa Rica. It was way better in Hamilton in the snow, just everything about it. You got Jonathan Osorio, a guy who's bled for this country for years through some of it horrible with the drum. You see Atiba Hutchison, Borjan, like these guys, it's just unbelievable. Everything around this team, this entire lead up, so many memorable moments. Atacube jumping in the snowbank. Davies with the absolute ridiculous goal. Like, you're just going to remember all these things. And John Hardman's a huge part of it. And I don't think he gets quite the love that he deserves. Well, and that's the thing, right, is, is you know, it's always the players. But it, but then it always comes down to the coach at the end of the day, right? I mean, the NHL is a great example where, you know, the players don't get it done. At certain, at, at certain points, they start to blame the, you know, they start to blame the coach. And they're like, hey. This guy's just not getting it done. He's not, um, you know, he's not inspiring the guys or whatever the, you know, whatever the case is. And Hardman's been able to do that, and and you know, and do that extremely well. And uh, you know, as long as he doesn't do a scratch and sniff at the World Cup, that's all that matters. I mean, <laughs> like, you know, as long as you don't do that, we're good to go. Um, I I just have, uh, you know, I I I don't want to take it away from the. From the positive, because it's positive time, I suppose you might. I suppose you can. But no, say. we got we got to touch on this subject. We we do because it really bothered me. Um, it was it was Stephanie LeBay was who was who was tweeting about this. But Gareth Wheeler, um, is it Kyle Laren that scored? Yeah, Kyle Laren. He's Kyle Laren scores. Man. 
He's and all-time and, leading goal scorer for the Canadian men's national team. Right, and it's a Canadian men's national team game. And Gareth Wheeler, who, in my opinion, is an un, un, like when he was on TSN, I really like listening to him personally. They've um, done but, a, him, he's done an unbelievable job this entire unbelievable doing for Canada. They've been awesome. So good. And you can just tell that he has the passion for the sport and just has passion in, in this country. And, you know, Kyle Aaron scores his goal and he says, you know, the greatest Canadian goal scorer uh, ever is pretty much what he said. And, you know, he just gets lit up on Twitter by, you know, Stephanie Bay saying like, oh, I'm disappointed in Gareth Wheeler that, you know, he didn't mention uh, Christine Sinclair. Like this just really shows why, you know, that there's still a gap between men's sports and women's sports and blah, 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 blah. Okay. So here's the problem. Why in the hell would Gareth Wheeler, in this moment, when Canada's qualifying for the world, like, okay, I'm going to get to that in a second. First of all, it's super, super selfish and self-centered to throw that out there and put yourself in this spotlight zone because you're really just taking away from that moment. That's number yeah. one, right? Like, the, the, the women's program has been supported, has been completely lifted up, everybody, and, and has had a ton of success. And we have been there every single step of the way. So to put yourself back kind of in that center, and, and, and they haven't been treated any differently. To put themselves into that center stage, by the, that's what they're trying to do with this comment. I don't think she was, but, but you're, that's what you're doing. You're selfishly saying, oh, well, we need to mention us. And I'm like, okay, how about it's just the fact that Gareth Wheeler is at, talking about, can't, like, obviously it's talking about the men's national team, obviously, in the heat of this moment. He's not about to say, Kyle Aaron, best Canadian goal scorer, besides Christine Sinclair, yeah, ever. Right? It's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And, obvious, and, and Gareth Wheeler has multiple times talked about how Christine Sinclair is the greatest Canadian soccer player ever. So to nitpick this moment when you're like, oh, you didn't even mention Christine Sinclair. Why? Why would you? Was, I really don't get it. Yeah. This was a moment in the game when they go up one nothing. that, especially with the way they were playing, you knew Canada was going to the World Cup. Kyle Aaron scored another goal for Canada, and he leads them all time at doing it. So you see that moment, and you're like, wow, this is the greatest men's goal scorer we've ever seen. But you're just going to say Canadian because you're it's the game you're watching. And he did say later during the broadcast, he even went during play just color commenting. He's like, we all know who the GOAT really is for Canada when it comes to goal scoring. It's Christine Sinclair. And he's always been supportive of that. They've always been supportive of the women's team. But in that moment, in the excitement of the best men's national team moment we'd seen, like that goal goes in and we know we're qualifying for the World Cup. So you're going to enjoy that moment. We're not thinking about the women who have already accomplished everything. They won gold medal at the Olympics. They've done unbelievable. The men's side has just been disappointment after disappointment. 2012, we lost 8-1 to Honduras. In a chance if we won that game. We could qualify. It's been disappointment after disappointment. In that moment, all you're thinking is Kyle Lahren, who's leading the men's national team program in goals all time, just scored arguably the biggest goal that's going to send us to the World Cup. So, sure, we know who the greatest goal scorer is, but in that moment, Gareth Wheeler did nothing wrong. He was in the moment, what you want a broadcaster to be, and enjoying the moment as much as a fan. That's exactly what I wanted a broadcaster, so... To me, he did nothing wrong there, and he did back it up, and he's been super supportive of Sinclair and the women's program. So he did nothing wrong, and LeBay crossed the line there, in my opinion. No, I and I totally agree. And and again, right, I think it's just like this is where we're at in society where, like, we need to mention, 
Like, you can't just mention one person, right? You know, if you say, you know, this person did great things, then people are going to respond, oh, what about this person? Like, what about equality? And it's like, okay, like, that's fine. I totally agree. This person's amazing. And this is not just in sports. This is in a lot of other things, right? And it's just coming to a point where, like, is it okay to celebrate somebody's accomplishments without having to mention somebody else's? I, I just and, – and, and not only that, but nothing – there was nothing nefarious. No. Like, like this, this should not be even a, co- a topic of conversation. Like, I didn't even notice. I, like, I did not – like, watching that broadcast, I did not even notice that until it was called out. And I was like, this is the most ridiculous call out. And, like, this is, this is a fail, an absolute fail. In my opinion, I just was like, this is, I cannot believe, and I, I, I didn't want to say anything because I, you know, and obviously my tweets don't have that much engagement. Come on, like, let's be realistic here. But, you know, I didn't want to say anything really because I'm like, man, I don't want this backlash. Like, this is bullshit. Like, I just thought the whole thing was brutal, but I'm like, I just don't feel right not saying anything. And if somebody ever asked my opinion, I'd say like, this is garbage. Sorry. Like, you, you're, like, that, that took, you're, you're taking away from a, from a moment. And even know how small it is, Right. Really, really small. That tweet, probably most of those guys didn't see it. But you're taking away that moment from Kyle Aaron, in my opinion. So, yeah. like, let's let's be real. Because let's, let's assume this was the opposite, right? Let's just assume that, you know, Kyle Aaron was all-time men or women the scorer. And, and Gareth Wheeler said, uh, you know, Christine Sinclair, greatest goal scorer. I can guarantee you that nobody would have commented and said, oh, yeah, but, well, somebody would have, like, small. But there wouldn't have been this backlash of, actually, it's uh, Kyle Aaron. Like, that just wouldn't have happened. And I'd feel the exact same way. In that moment, I want them talking about that game and that program and just the moment. That's what the best broadcasters are at making great calls is being a fan in that moment. And that's what Gareth Wheeler was doing. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to dwell on it too much. I just, as I said, just personally, that just it just really bothers me. I was so bothered by that whole thing. And, like, I just want to clarify for anybody who's listening, like, I completely support equality. I completely support all, like, women's rights, all that kind of, all that stuff, all, everything. But, you know, it has, like, there has to be both ways here. And then just absolutely ga- basically gaslighting somebody or, you know, ripping somebody apart for something that was not in any way nefarious, intentional. And every single person who ever has listened to Gareth Wheeler <laughs> knows what he's talking about. You're just nitpicking. It's ridiculous. Anyway, moving on. Oh, yeah. And we were here during the Olympics saying Christine Sinclair is one of the greatest Canadian athletes of all time. She is the greatest Canadian soccer player of all time. There's no doubt in my mind she is. And that moment, Kyle Aaron was the greatest Canadian soccer player at that moment, in my mind, as a fan, because he scored yeah. that goal. Well, he was. And that's that's all. And he's not even the best team player on that team, or even close to, in my opinion. But in that moment, he was the greatest Canadian soccer player in that moment. Yep. I agree. Anyway, what else do you want to get to? You had a couple well, we got to talk about the NFL playoff rule changes a little bit here. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's not not massive changes, but something needed to be done. And I don't think it's going to solve all the issues. They made no change for the regular season, which I think I touched on. I didn't think they would do. I didn't think they would change the regular season rules just because I know the regular season means so much more. But you see it in every other sport, the overtime other than basketball – some of that is so different in the regular season because you got to keep it moving. You got to get it over with quick. Weeks can be short, especially like if you have to play Monday nighter and then you're on Sunday again. Like weeks can be shorter, some stuff like that. But the playoff rules are different. It's going to be interesting because teams are going to go for two a lot in overtime. So both teams are getting the ball now. 
no matter what, both teams are getting the ball. So the first team, I think if they get a touchdown, they're going for two every time. Because if you go for two, you're forcing the other team to go for two. But if you miss, it's probably over anyways. So it'll be interesting. But at least now both teams are getting the ball. After they both get the ball, if they both get a touchdown, then it's best first one up. Because at a certain point, you do have to end it. So uh, it'll be a, it's a little better rule. I don't know if it's the ideal change, but it's nice to see they've done something, at least for the playoffs. Well, and, and I think the other thing is if a team gets a safety, it's over, which is fine. Yeah, right? any, defensive, so, any defensive score should be over, in my opinion. Well, I think yeah. that's still it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Any 100%. defensive Yeah, any defensive score is still over. Yeah, which it should be. Um I'm glad that they left in ties for the regular season. I hate ties, but it does make it interesting down the stretch. Right? Like if you got a team that's got a tie, like it, you know. For example, at the AFC this year, when you have like seven teams that are within a game, like it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be nuts, right? Because if you have you know, one team has a tie, and that's one less loss. So, like, hypothetically, they, they'd be higher than anybody else, right? So, yeah. I don't know. It, it just, I, I, I don't mind that at all. Um, I'm willing to, yeah. You know, people are talking about, well, it'd be great to have overtime and in regular season, just have a true winner, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what? I'd rather sacrifice that for an extra game. I'd way prefer having 17 games over doing overtime because that was on the table as they were talking about doing overtime for every game if it was tied. But then they didn't want to do extra games. And I was like, okay, well, I'd rather see Miami play one more game uh, and one end up in a tie because it's really not that common, right? It's really, like, it's not. So um, in terms of playoffs and stuff, like, it, it is amusing to me that it took the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills to you know, yeah, basically have kind of like one of those games where you're like, all right, you know, that kind of sucked. Um, but I almost wonder if it was like, let's just say it was the Chiefs versus the Titans and that same thing happened, would we be talking about that rule change right now? Probably not, but also you're not really worried about Ryan Tannehill going down and scoring right away. It's, well, I, think it, I think the game <laughs> – the game, impacted that just because both teams were scoring almost at will so if it was a different game where it was a massive defensive battle and it was like 13-6 in overtime like a team's or i guess 12-6 because it's over without the extra point i think it would be a different conversation i don't think it would have been as ideal but because that game was such a shootout both quarterbacks were playing absolutely unbelievable and scoring at will i think that's why it's a conversation i don't think it has to do with it being casey and buffalo i just think it has to do with it's in the playoffs and two offenses that just looked unbelievable how do you keep one of them off the field I don't disagree with the rule whatsoever. Like, I mean, it's pretty obvious to both people that, yeah, you need to have the ball. Like, like you have the ball at least once. Yeah. You know, imagine if they had this rule back when, uh, back in 28, uh, 28 to three, we, we might be talking about something different. Or 78 to nothing. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. We're not letting that go ever, but any um, other NFL news you want to touch on, Burke? Um, shout out to our boy Jake because Bobby Wagner did not sign in. Uh, did not sign in in Baltimore. I did laugh when he said today that uh, he's like I was reading on my phone, and uh, it was like Bobby Wagner signs with the R, and then he and he reads on. He's like Rams. He's like fuck. And this guy was so rattled about about that, and I just. You know, it's just one of those things where, like, the NFL is still just so undefeated where 
It is now April. By the time you're all listening to this, it's going to be April. The NFL's been done for about two months. And we basically talked about it every single week. Now, this year's been a little bit different because of the turnover and, and free agency and uh, in the trades and stuff like that. But it's been like, the craziest offseason ever. But, like, we just – you can't not talk about it. Like, that's the – like that's the other part, right? Is it's just it's so ingrained in everybody's head um, that it's you know, like you just and, and like and, and again, like for a lot of people that listen for our podcast, right? Like people love to listen to it. Um, people also love to listen to us talk about hockey. And speaking of hockey and the NHL, Austin Matthews, fifty goal score. How about them apples? What a guy. Scored another empty netter. What a shock. Yeah, fuck it. Whatever. Yeah, that's the other day too. 50s, 50s. Yeah, I, don't, I was there. I was there. So um, I went to my first Leaf game at uh, Scotiabank Arena. Oh, this is good. I want to talk about this a little bit because I was in the building. Um, man, the energy in that crowd is actually not terrible. But it definitely depends where you sit, right? If you're sitting up in the 300s, like, it is, it's loud and it is raucous. Like, there's a guy yelling, Peter, the whole game was just pissing my wife off because she just hates when people are dumb. That's just her pet peeve. You know this. Um, people are dumb. She just like has to say something about it, which I respect. Hey, you know, I, I let it go because I've been I don't enough know how she married. I don't know how she married you. Well, I mean, I don't want to turn it off. That's the problem, right? Or that's the thing, right? So anyway, energy is really good. Um, and obviously the lower sections, it's definitely tougher, right? Because there's still this business side of it. I really didn't think that like the crowd was – you know, I don't know. You know, like it was a, it was a it was a game against Florida, and I know that it was. And I, I want to get into more like hockey stuff about this really quickly. So, people saying like, "Oh, the Leafs have no chance against Florida." I completely disagree. Watching that game live, I know the Leafs won. They did well, whatever. And it, but it was the second night of back to back for both people. Leafs had Mrazek in net, and I just thought the Leafs were extremely physical. The refereeing was abysmal. Now. There's a couple of things. Oh, and we have to get to the Taylor Hall thing. I want to get to that. Just, I, sorry, I, I don't have that on my notes, but I, I just came up in my head. Um, but the the refereeing was actually extremely poor. Being up in that section, I was able like you're not you don't get the same effect of say if you're like in row ten where you're hearing the puck and the skates and all that kind of stuff. But you can actually see the play really well from up. Like see, see the breakout, see everything like that. You can see it extremely well, and the, the refereeing is poor. I don't know if it's positioning. I don't know what the heck's going on, but man, I just I couldn't believe some of the garbage that that was happening and some of the stuff they missed behind the play. Like it's it's and, and it, you know day one of the NHL GM meetings, like this was topic of discussion. Gary Bedman had to remind everybody that if you publicly criticize an official, you're getting penalized. So obviously people are upset, and I totally get why. Um, but anyway, I think the Leafs definitely have a chance to, against Florida. They're the number one team in the in the uh, um, in the Eastern Conference right now. Phys- physically, I thought the Leafs did okay. Morazic actually played a pretty unreal game that night. Great experience. Hadn't been there in 18 years, but it was uh, it was a really good time. So this is something I wanted to talk about because Leafs Twitter and Leafs social media went nuts, and I have talked to. They are still going nuts. I have talked to. And this is why, you know, if you know me or you know, like, whatever, if you're not a fan of Leafs and you know me, I'm pretty even keeled when it comes to Leafs. This is not uncommon. Like, we know this. 
This has been established up to this time. Do I still want them to win? Do I still have hope? Of course. But when it comes to actually like legitimate stuff, and you and I don't necessarily just agree on everything, but like major stuff, like I look at it from a hockey standpoint and you just say, okay, if this was not the Leafs, what, like, what would my reaction be? So an example, Taylor Hall's goal uh, in th- the third period versus the Leafs got waved off for goaltender interference and Leafs fans were like, oh, it's definitely goaltender interference. And I'm watching this. I'm like, this is not goaltender interference at all. I'm like, if this is no, goaltender. Nobody has any idea what goaltender interference is in any hockey game anymore. So no, that yeah, one, that one was obvious. The puck was in the net before he even touched them. So I was like, okay, this is a good goal. And you can look at Twitter, and Twitter was like, no, maybe he definitely nailed him. I'm like, no, absolutely not. This is a goal, 100%. Um, and it turned out to be a goal. Right call. Perfect. Taylor Hall gets, I don't know if Lubushkin really boarded him. It was it was kind of a weird play. Like, he, he, he kind of stood him up and just, he really kind of fell awkwardly. Like, it, it wasn't, no, I don't boarding. think it was that. Boarding by a definition. Yeah, that's fine. Boarding two-minute penalty. Boarding yeah, he, hit him aw- he hit him awkwardly into the boards, or violently into the boards, or awkward. That's the definition of boarding. He yeah, did that. It, which is fine. I, I'm I'm fine with a two minute boarding penalty. Like it's not, it, but it wasn't anything that was like egregious by any means. It wasn't like he was skating behind Taylor Hall and plowed him behind into the boards head first. Like that just wasn't. And I don't think there was any intent to hurt him or anything. It was just it was a weird play that he just fell into the boards awkwardly on a push. Then he comes up, and this is where the discussion of intent and actual. You know, punishing intent or punishing the action. He obviously meant to punch <laughs> Lubushkin in the side of the head. That was his intent. Now, whether he pulled up at the last second because he didn't want to get suspended or he just is a horrible puncher, it doesn't really matter because he barely touched him in the side of the head and he goes down like a, like a side of potatoes. Almost, like, you could argue he was trying to get him in like the side of the like the cheek or something, but he can't reach him. He's way smaller than Lubushkin. But yeah, like the intent, I don't think was really ever there to do. Like everyone keeps comparing this moment. He's like, that was Todd Bertuzzi and Steve Down. No, it's not. No. Like rewatch that clip. This is very, very different. We see plays not quite like Taylor Hall's, but somewhat like it. Even if two guys are facing each other and a guy punches the guy before the guy's ready, that's more similar to this than it is to the Todd Bertuzzi thing. And like it was, it was like he. I guess you could say he's unsuspecting. But at the same point, it's like you can't suspend somebody twenty games for intending to sucker punch somebody because that's just you leave everything open to interpretation. Then, yeah, right? Then you can suspend everybody for so anything, many things, anything, anything right? Because you're setting a bad precedence. The the fact the facts of this are, at least Twitter and least um, lots of least families people I've talked to are like, yeah, this is a suspendable play. I'm like, this was nothing. My boss, who knows nothing about hockey, he he would be the first one to tell you that. He watched the play in entirety, and he's like, I actually almost thought the hit was worse than the punch. He's like, neither were really anything. And I'm fine with the fine on Taylor Hall. You can find somebody for maybe the somewhat intent. I'm okay with that. $5,000 to these guys is nothing. So for sure. But from somebody who knows nothing about hockey, they're like, that hit looked way worse than that punch. Because the hit did look bad. It Visually, looked bad. It, looked bad. it was an awkward hit. Hall turned it's the responsibility is on the hitter, even if a guy turns. So it looked bad. So that's where I'm like, yeah, I don't understand what Leafs fans are doing on Twitter. This is where Leafs fans get their worst look where we hear like, this is why they're most hated. And I know everyone's like, Oh, well, Habs are the same. And depending on where you are in the country, no, the Leafs stand out. It's like the Patriots in the NFL, no matter where you are, you hate the Patriots and their fans. Major league baseball, Yankees, same thing. Toronto is that no matter how much you don't want to 
admit it because we live in that part of the country or in Southern Ontario where Toronto is the big team. It is that across the NHL for the most part. Like you even hear it on Spit and Chicklets where a bunch of the guys on the program are US based. Like everyone, Toronto fans are that fan. And these things like this on Twitter where you see a billion comments over something that was, yeah, not a great play, not really much of a hockey play, but he wasn't trying to end his career. Like, let's move on from that. It wasn't Bertuzzi Downey. No, Downey. it was not. No, not, and don't it wasn't. even compare it. No, it's disrespect. It's actually disrespectful to compare that because it really wasn't at all. And, I, and I'm sure I'm in the minority of Leaf fans, but like this is actually why, you know, I pride myself on being a level-headed Leaf fan for the most part. And we've had conversations a lot. And it, even in other groups, we've had these conversations. And it's like, hey, like, you know, I it, it's always, yes, as a fan, you're always going to have bias towards your um, your own team. Great example. When the Habs are playing the Leafs in the playoffs last year, you and I did not agree on any penalty call the whole series. No. Which is fine. Like, I expect that because you're going to have bias to your own like you're not biased to your own team, obviously. Like that's that's totally expected. But when it comes to a major incident or a suspension or whatever it is, right? You say uh, you, you you take a step back and say, okay, if this was two teams that I had no rooting interest in, how would I feel about this? Well, lots of people can't do that. I can because it's like, for example, I'll bring it, bring another example up. Austin Matthews cross check. I still maintain that's a two game suspension. It, it well, that's it, the that's. The other thing I keep seeing on Twitter, they're like, see, the Department of Player Safety just hates the leaves, allowing guys to get injured off the dirtiest sucker punch I've ever seen, but then they suspend Matthews for a nothing cross-check. I'm like, no, this goes back to our argument. The Department of Player Safety does suck. They do. We said that over and over again. They're terrible. But Austin Matthews also did deserve two games. Yes, he did. Both things can be true. And maybe does the Department of Player Safety still suck? But did Taylor Hall deserve more than Matthews? No. In my opinion, he didn't. And that's... You just see this over and over again with Leafs fans on Twitter. Like these are two completely separate incidents, two completely different things. And it's like now, anytime anybody gets a cross check that bounces off the shoulder and touches a guy in the head, Leafs fans are like, "Oh, Matthews would have got four games for that." Now it's like, no, they're different incidents. He cross checked the guy square in the face. It missed the shoulder. Whether the intent was the shoulder or not, yes. it did miss it. That's and that's and where the difference like, is. That that's a hundred percent. You nailed it. That's where the difference is. Is I know that he probably because Matthews is is like. Before the, he's not this year, but he's been like Lady Bing candidate. Like that's just how he is. It's very uncommon. Like I, I, I firmly believe with everything I have that he meant to hit him in the shoulder or in the arm or somewhere in there, and he, and he missed. But the reality is, is that you still cross check the guy in the face, whether you miss the shoulder or not. You still cross check the guy in the face. So yes, it's two game suspension. If Hall got suspended for one game for that, because so here's the thing: if player safety was good. They probably would suspend him for that for that incident. And why would they do that? Okay, they're doing that because they would look at this and say, um, you know, yeah, you didn't hit him that hard, but your intent probably was to hit him that hard. And we're trying to send a message and saying this is not a hockey play. We don't want this in any in any aspect of the game. And if you do this again, you will now be a repeat offender, so we can suspend you more in the future. That is where I think there's a legit argument to suspend him for one game. But yeah, my only argument there is if this is what the NHL wants to decide, they need to start that at game one. They can't suddenly decide yes, this at game but 60 this, of the season. 100%. 100%. But like, this is where you need consistency, and they don't have consistency. So now, you can't bitch 
in game 65 about this shit when it's been bad the whole time. So get your, like, this is more towards the NHL. It's like, people are saying, well, definitely suspension. You're probably right. Not not because of the action, but because this is what you need to send a message. And there's lots of things, in my opinion, that need to be suspended, right? Because if you're really trying to, you know, if you have this, you know, mission statement is not the right word, but if you're like, we're really about, you know, protecting players and making sure the game is, is, is intended, you know, to be played the, the way the game is intended to be played, then, okay, start suspending people for non-hockey plays. But they won't because it's, it, it's, it's a terrible look because then you know what the flag's going to be. Oh, hockey's really soft, blah, blah, blah. We're, we're going, you know, just take your body checking, why don't you? And all of this shit's going to roll down so they don't do it, right? So you can't yeah. have your cake and eat it too. It's, it's no. like if you're not going to call it, don't call it then. And like, when we're talking about this here, I'm like, yeah, the Department of Player Safety sucks, but I don't envy their job at all. Because it's not an easy job to do, especially when you got to deal with the players' association, the owners, everything, hockey fans. It, it, I don't envy their job at all. I don't think they do a good job at it, but I don't want to be the one doing it either. It's going to be an interesting offseason because this is going to be this. This topic is not going away. Right? But these are okay. things. Unfortunately, like the GM meetings are going on right now. You can't figure that out now. I'm sorry. We're 60 games into the year. How inconsistent it's been. You need to keep that inconsistency up the rest of the year because it's been there for three quarters of the year. So unfortunately, I think you do have to kind of suck it up and keep that inconsistency for the last 20 games. Hopefully come playoff times, the refereeing gets a little better. Yep. But when it comes to the Department of Player Safety, I don't think that you really can change the way you're going about it this year. Whether it's inconsistent or not, you have to keep the consistency of inconsistency up. But come this summer, come next season, I think it does need to be torn apart and start fresh and figure it out better. But I think if you just start suspending guys for things like Hall did the other day now, that's yeah, just a really weird standard to set three quarters of the way through the season. No, and I agree. And then, then what happens when something similar happens behind the net or Sidney Crosby drives the guys facing the ice, right? Like, it, it, you're right. It completely, completely opens Pandora's box. The only other thing that I will say about this, because it's top of my mind, is um, I really hate, because playoffs are coming up, I hate when people do suspendable plays in the playoffs and player safety is like, well, I mean, it's five games in the season, but it's going to be two games in the playoffs because they're more important. That's fucking stupid. Sorry. It, I mean, I really, I understand that you're like, we don't want to take a really good player that, okay, how about this? Maybe don't do suspendable plays in the playoffs then. I mean, wh- why why can we not just be consistent? If it's a two-game suspension in, this, in the regular season, it's a two-game suspension in the playoffs. How about you just don't do it? I like it, is that just me? Yeah, I, I like the lesser suspension of the playoffs. The games are way more important. I understand we still don't want to see these plays, and that's why there still needs to be a suspension. But again, I think regular season games are worth less. It's kind of a fact that they are worth less. So well, they are because uh, they don't matter. But at the same time, it's like if like if we're talking about consistency, yeah. then you need to be consistent. But they seem to have a pretty good formula on what it is. Like it's not, it's like 60% of what it is. So if, as long as they keep the formula and everyone kind of knows it in advance and it's consistent with the formula, I like it because again, playoff games are worth way more. So that's my opinion, but oh, I get where fine. you're coming from. I get it's, where you're coming from. It's, it's just, it's just, if like you can't preach consistency and then do something, which they don't, they're not consistent at all. But if you want consistency, this is the same thing where it's like, I, you know, they put the whistle away during the playoffs. I think that's the dumbest thing in the entire world. To a, to an extent, to an extent, because I mean, the reality is you really should just call the rule book. 
I mean, that should just be the, this is the de facto is like you really should just call the rule book. Okay, sure, you want to let a couple little things go, fine. But we've talked about this before, where you affect the game by not affecting the game. I mean, you're going to let a lot of the battles and some of that stuff go a little more. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fine. I know that's something that the Leafs fans complain about is all the battles up front, but you are going to let that go more. It is playoff that, that, time. That, that's fine. That's fine. But they still don't call hooks, grabs, trips. They call way less in the playoffs. And we're, it seeing it way less, we're seeing it way less in the regular season this right is, now. Too, this, so. is, this is what I was just about to say. Like I actually do feel like they're calling playoff hockey in the regular season. It, it's kind of what it feels like. But they're actually not because they're calling more stupid shit. Like that's what the crazy part is. Like Evander Kane had five, four penalties. <laughs> he set an expansion expansion record for four penalties in eight minutes and forty seven seconds. Yeah, it's crazy. It, and like I watched some of the videos and I was like, okay, so one of them, two of them maybe were penalties. The other ones I was like, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But then you get in the refs' bad books and and boom, 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 you're back to back to back to back. But I'm like, anyway, we've talked way too long about this. It's it's. It's not going to get fixed. But we are looking forward to playoff hockey, though. Because you're starting to get that feeling, eh? Like, as we kind of come down the stretch here. Um, well, oh. sorry. You don't get that feeling because the Habs were eliminated on Friday. Uh, last Friday. Forgot about that. Sorry, yeah. dude. Don't worry. I watched more playoff hockey last year than the Leafs will have this year, so. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, but, you know, you, you are starting to get those bu- that, that buzz, though, right? Leafs versus Florida. There's a buzz in the city. Buzz in the building. Um, Colorado, played, Calgary was a big one the other night. Yep, that's yep, hundred percent. Yeah, um, Leafs played the Bruins uh, two nights ago. Another, you no, know, they, they, that game was buzzing. The Leafs just stuck it to the Bruins. Great. Um, you know, tonight versus versus Winnipeg, not so much because Winnipeg is like the biggest fraudulent team in the whole NHL. But um, yeah, Leafs fans are still complaining about refereeing tonight, although they had six power they plays won and seven, seven goals. Yeah, they had double the amount of. Power plays and one seven three, and Leafs fans are still complaining about officiating. So, I mean, they're only complaining about the Justin Hall thing, which whatever. I and they were and they weren't letting Wayne Simmons fight. Okay, I disagree with that. If the if the other partner is willing to fight, I I do I I can't agree. I don't like that. If two guys want to fight, let them fight. Like I I don't know. There's a penalty yeah. for it, so it's just, it's just a yeah, it's just weird. But anyways, yeah. Uh, moving on from that, do you have any other NHL content you want to touch on, Burke? No, I'm good. We're going to have a no, ton, we'll... though, because it's coming, like, as I say, yeah. as we get closer to the playoffs here, it's going to get nuts. I only have really one more thing that I want to touch on before we kind of get out of here. So do you know what Sunday is, Burke? Um, well, technically it starts Masters Week, I suppose. Sunday, April 3rd, will be the first time Kyle Lowry plays in the Scotiabank Arena since February 28th, 2020. The Heat have played here, but he didn't play. He will be back in the building and playing on Sunday. So we will get to see Kyle Lowry play for the first time since 2020 on Sunday. Damn. I totally forgot about that. Um, Give me one second. I'm just looking up. (laughs) Oh, my God. The cheapest ticket. Okay, let's say you want two tickets. Where do you think the cheapest is? Oh, I don't even know. What I do you think the cheapest cheap... is? $170. Well, it's in US dollars, so. And I'm going to say not not balcony because there's a whole bunch of balcony ones. What is the price, Burke? 150 US. Yeah, that's... It's like $200. If you want a ticket in like section so like row 25 lower end zone 
which is lower bowl, you can get Raptors tickets for like, I don't know, 100 Canadian, 112 down there. It's $341 US. So this will be this will be an insane game to be at. Kyle Lowry, as we know, is the greatest Raptor of all time. Uh, he's talking about it. He's I don't think I've ever seen somebody so excited to come back. And he's just talking about it. It's appreciating it. It he's like I don't even think they realize like in this moment on Sunday I'm gonna appreciate them more and still appreciate Toronto fans more than they ever appreciate me and will ever appreciate me. So. I mean, Kyle Lowry definitely. This is it'll be a cool moment. I don't know how long the standing ovation will go on when they do a tribute for him, and he deserves a tribute. We see tributes for way too many players and way too more any organizations, but Kyle Lowry deserves a tribute. He deserves a standing ovation. It'll just be how long does that go on for? Yeah, that's a must-watch game. Like if you got T, if you got Kaylee, go whatever. That's a must. Turn that on, and you're turning it on early. Like you're turning that on at six thirty to 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 watch that. Um, man, they they might have to like reschedule the game. Like yeah, it might be, a long, might be a longer delay than the fire. Oh, I was stressed about that, man, because that fire happened the night before. Our, like the, the Raptors game was on um, Friday, Friday night. Friday night. The Leafs game was on Saturday. Oh yeah, Friday. Yeah, and, uh, and I was like, oh my fuck, like yeah, it was Saturday, wasn't it? Was it Sunday? No. Was we it? were together Saturday. You were at the game Sunday. Oh yeah, shit. Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Sorry. Usually it's a Leafs at Scotiabank on Saturday night, but yeah, you're right. It was it was a Sunday game because they were back to back. You're right. Um, anyway, I saw that come down. I was like, man, I swear if this affects this league game, like I haven't gone in 18 years, but a fire, a speaker fire is going to affect this. Like, come on now. But anyway, love Calgary. Um, yeah, it, it'll be a good moment. He's a, he's a beauty. He's a beauty. We can respect it. Um, okay, so next week's going to be our Masters podcast, so that's going to be good. Um, we may have a guest. I don't know. Uh, it's It's been undecided. There's been a lot of people that have been, like, clamoring about how they want to come on this show, and uh, then we then we say, hey, yeah, yeah, come on the show, and then they yeah. just, you know. Lots of people have opinions on a lot of different things until you ask them to go put it public to millions of people, possibly. I mean, not millions here, but it could possibly be listened you to never know. people. We've been fine with putting our statements there. Lots of people think they want to, but they don't actually want to. But we'll have a good pod anyways. Maybe we'll get a couple of people on here to talk a bit. I know I'll have a bunch of research to do over the next week and uh, give you some good uh, insight on Augusta. There's a few changes this year. So for anybody who's interested in the golf course, I definitely will have a bit on those. Oh, we will have a Turf King. I expect a full Turf King report next week. Um, and we're going to do this a little earlier in the week. So curling season's done for me. Uh, we beat my wife's team on Tuesday. So now we're, we beat them three to four times this year and they still won the trophy. So I feel a little bitter about that considering that we kicked their ass enough. Um, but anyway, point aside, uh, yeah, full twerking report. We'll do it earlier in the week. Um, so we get lots of time to get those bets in before Thursday comes around. So we're definitely, we'll probably do it Monday or Tuesday. It'll probably come out Wednesday, give you enough time. Um, I, I have one, one last thing before I sign off really short because I, I, it got brushed over when you were talking about Tiger 60 to one, like you're saying the, you, you mentioned the odds weren't good enough. And I, I totally agree on this because I'm like, I would bet Tiger at a hundred to one, right? Plus 10,000. I'll put, I'll put money on for sure. Like, this man is getting, I know you say you never doubt him, but I'm like, man, how are you getting, you haven't played 
a professional tournament in 17 months, like a really like competitive professional tournament in 17 months, and you're getting the 60 to 1 odds, like, mm-mm. Like, the value is terrible. Yeah, it's no Mike Weir value at plus 100,000. Did you do that this year? I have my dollar fifty on Mike Weir. Because <laughs> I paid 1500 bucks. Okay. I spent a dollar fifty on way worse things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we'll leave it at that. Um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at over six where it's at Zachbrick over six and at C Charlton Turf at for the over six sports podcast. I'm Zach Demetterberg, and with me, as always, Cameron. Thank you for listening to over six words. We'll tell you next week.